Well, and Simon, that is such an amazing point that I'll often try to get people to see is, and you've given me some God bumps here, because in prison, there's not always the availability for certain acts to take place. Like you can't, there's one chapel. It's not like I don't like the Protestants. I'm not going to church. There's Protestants, Catholics, Muslims, Buddhists, Amish, pagans, uh, Asatru's, even atheists have their own service, like all in the same place. So it's wow. when I learn how to get along with one another. I mean, there are separate times, but it's the same thing. But that thief on the cross, what you just said, he said to the other dude, like, hey, bro, don't don't you recognize that what we did, we did. He didn't. <laughs> and I believe who you are. So please don't forget me. That's Romans 10, 9. That is the whole gospel wrapped up perfectly, which is if you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. Amen. Yeah. And that's what was done. Welcome to the Free and Redeem podcast. I am your host, Simon Andrade. And here on this specific show, we tackle over key topics that every single Christian struggles with. We bring in guests. We bring in godly wisdom, and more importantly, we bring in scriptures in the Bible to help you enhance your walk with God, bring in confidence, and put you into the direction of freedom and grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're new to this platform, I encourage you to subscribe. With all that being said, guys, let's get started with today's episode. I want to welcome my guest for today's episode. His name is RJ Johnson. He is the author of the book, God Doesn't Waste a Thing. Uh, RJ, brother, good to have you on the show. Welcome on. Simon, my pleasure. Appreciate it. And thanks for giving me this opportunity to chat with you and give some more airtime to share about how amazing God is and what Jesus has done in my life. Amen. Awesome. And is this your first book uh, that you have written before or... Yeah, certainly. And it's written by the pen name of Luke Chance, if people are looking for it, just to protect the names and locations and identities of those men still incarcerated and the officers that are working around oh. the facilities. So, Okay, nice. Awesome. Well, yep. congratulations on your first book. Uh, I know I'm trying, well, I'm actually trying to get one started and <laughs> that's a process within itself, but um, for sure. yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. So I guess tell us a little bit about your ministry. Like what is something you currently are focused on now, like where you feel like God is calling you at? Yep. I've started a ministry when I got released in 2020. I did seven years in prison mm -hmm. on a 20-year prison sentence. Wow. And through those years incarcerated and coming to know the Lord and learning how to love and protect and care for those that are around my um, circle of influence, really drew a heart towards ministry, obviously a heart towards loving and caring for those near me. Um, mm -hmm. I began a nonprofit ministry out here called Not My Will Ministries, attaches wow. to Matthew 26, 39, and where the three or four main focuses of it is one, to create an opportunity for those people in society to learn and hear that there's amazing people inside of prisons who have right. unbelievable skills, unmatched talents, big hearts, and they really do deserve a chance for purpose, 
relationships and support mm. while also encouraging the community and letting them know that God doesn't waste a thing. He's still in the miracle business. Mm. And so just kind of trying to take people on the outside and entertain them or excite them or motivate them to want to jump into a prison ministry and go and see for themselves the the transformation that happens behind the walls when you wow. drop Jesus into a prison. Wow. No, that's such an interesting way of putting it. And um, it's actually funny because I do have someone in my family who does want to get into prison ministry and mm-hmm. uh, well, personally knowing him and being close to him all my life, he actually has never been in prison, but I remember uh, he just really felt like that was something God put on his heart. And when I asked him what really made him want to do it, his simple response was, because these are people that God really wants to communicate that there's a second chance when the world is telling him there's no more chances or whatnot. And when I, when he told me that, I was like, so blown away, like, wow, like that is something. (laughs) I love Um, that. Yeah. So your story, God doesn't waste a thing. I really thought that was such a catchy name uh, because it's so true, but I feel like that's, a simple statement that's probably not getting preached a lot, uh, especially people who are really broken. So I guess tell us a little bit about your book. What made you really want to write that book? Um, starting from, yeah, starting from there. Yeah. To, to not dive in and go through a lot of the big, big stories that are wrapped inside of the book itself. The main theme behind it is in most circumstances that were in my life, um, trying to kill myself on the train tracks after I realized that I was going to be arrested and going to get sentenced to an amount of time I figured I wouldn't be able to even handle, let alone like survive. And then a lot of scary moments inside of prison, some bad encounters with some gangs and some pretty disruptive uh, moves and transitions on my family where they went for quite a while not knowing if I was alive, where I was, if I was getting moved, what was happening, but how God is constantly using and moving and strategically placing not just myself, but others around me to have his will be done and to have all things work out for good. And so even in, in the during as my best friend Troy says, like in the middle of the heartache and the panic and the anxiety and the isolation, being faithful to God, walking according to his plan, praying into what he has for your life, <laughs> those kinds of situations will be honored and will be carried through. Like nothing gets returned void to God. These aren't <laughs> these aren't new thoughts, but it's really hard when you're in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. And so my book often points back to a miracle happens, and many of them truly are miracles. People who haven't spoken for three plus years speaking, holes mm-hmm. that are the size of a soda can being healed in a night. Um, me skipping 5,000 or so people on a, on a wait list to get treatment that I need to get out of prison. All of these things happen, but being able to take a step back and look and see what had to transpire in order for these things to take place. Hmm. Those were usually the things I was complaining about, crying about, being angry about, not enjoying, but (laughs) God didn't waste those nights in isolation. He didn't waste the death threats. He didn't waste Mm -hmm. a newspaper article being placed about me because that is what God was going to use 
to have his will be done. Mm-hmm. And so that's the preaching. That's the sharing. That's the, that's the best part of what I get to do is people who sit in an audience, whether it's a church congregation, a men's group, someone listening to your podcast, they probably have a daughter or a son who's sick, or they might have mm-hmm. a wife who hasn't spoken to them for months or a job that just seems worthless, or they right. just got an email about some doctor's results wow. and it might not be great. God will not waste that. Mm. May not see it that day, that month, that year. Mine mm. took six and a half years before it kind of turned around. Wow. Tell you the truth, that's probably the most perfect definition I think I've ever heard in this current segment that we are in. And that is called, which I even emailed you about and yeah. gave more information, but I referred it to it as the wilderness season. And even in my last episode uh, where I talk about, you know, basically when we get into this new place in life, it's like, sometimes it's definitely not easy. Matter of fact, it's so sudden. It's so unexpected. And I think that's the biggest struggle. A lot of people deal with is, you know, of course, curious of what God is doing, why he's doing this, or sometimes we think it's God doing it, but understanding like God, like feeling like they're a waste of time, feeling like everything that they're going through, it doesn't matter. But I really feel like at the end of the day, God is standing there and he's like, wait a minute here. There's mm-hmm. something special that could, is about to happen through this story. Come on. And um, that's exactly why I wanted to have your story on this show, because I feel like it really relates to a lot of what we we all have been through. I mean, you say you got out of prison back in 2020. 2020, I can tell you, which <laughs> literally was only about to be four years ago, was probably the most humiliating <laughs> year of my life. Not just because of COVID, but just so much loss came that year. Uh, being unemployed for almost the whole entire year, uh, being heartbroken. And it's just like, you know, I remember standing there in my bedroom, this exact bedroom I'm recording at right now, asking God, God, why am I going through this? You know, I've served you for so long. Why am I going through this? And here we are recording a podcast together. (laughs) And that's what I really want our audience to hear and uh, to really understand. But I guess to get more clarity on it, I guess to really get this episode started. So RJ... I guess kind of going a little bit into depth, understanding why you wrote the book. I guess what is the story you would like to really tell your our listeners today? Of uh, we understand why you wrote the book, but what could God doesn't waste a thing really apply to your story? So I'm still I'm still walking out what God is showing me day by day, and this will be the first time I'm sharing it on any podcast because it just happened December twenty second of twenty twenty three. Hmm. And there was two attempts for my life to be killed when I was first incarcerated by a particular gang that doesn't look too highly on someone who has a sexual offense. Hmm. So going into prison, that was very much reality for me that there was going to be a big target on my back. And Hmm. I'm a pretty outgoing guy. I try to help people. Um, This was even before coming to know Christ. I, I just genuinely cared about people. And I usually had a bend towards how can I benefit myself from the relationship, but I wasn't rude. I wasn't mean and I wasn't like a hateful person. Mm-hmm. But going through those two near death experiences, when I finally got to the third prison I was at, which eventually is where I came to know the Lord and began working for two of the guys that have inspired me mm. more than anyone other than Jesus and my father. 
Um, I had vowed when I got to that third place, I am not going to spend any time sharing about myself or pouring into other people. I'm just going to sit back and let the world go on around me. Because every time I bring my name up or insert myself into a conversation in prison, eventually it aligns with the conversation of, well, what are you doing here? What did you do to get in here? Right. And it just didn't go well for me. So I was pretty scared. Wow. And knowing what I do now, I can speak confidently and with some authority about how God is right there beside you and you're full of fear and anxiety and stress and panic. And every emotion is just about to weep out of you because there was a gentleman who was serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole. Hmm. He was involved in someone's death. He wasn't the one who was responsible for it, but he was involved in it as part of that gang. Hmm. He got sentenced to the most harsh penalty other than the death sentence, which is to be spending the rest of your life behind bars. We're not going to talk about this at all. Into the first or second month of me being at this new facility, he had came up and he had asked me if I'd be willing to help him get his GED and an associate's degree just to spend some time with him doing some commas and some periods and writing some sentence structure. And be honest with the assignment, I was pretty afraid because mm -hmm. if you're going to spend that kind of time and build that relationship with someone, eventually the conversation is going to lead to like, Hey man, thanks. What are you in here for? What's happening? <laughs> and he used to be mighty involved in, in, in gang activity. So I was afraid to just dive into that relationship, mm -hmm. but my chaplain friends were saying, Hey, if you're going to, walk with the Lord and you're going to trust the Lord. You need to trust him with all things. And if mm -hmm. that means that through prayer, you feel God's brought someone to you, step into it courageously and walk it out. And so mm -hmm. I did that. I helped him as best as I could. And he's a super brilliant man anyways. And he went on to get his GED and his associate's degree. That's and awesome. then he went on to get his bachelor's degree. And I eventually get moved to another facility and he continues and gets his master's degree and becomes mm -hmm. the first person in the history of the United States to be an adjunct professor for a university while still serving a prison sentence behind bars. Wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> and wow. beginning of December, middle of December, he still has the sentence of life without parole. And I'm going to land this plane for you to let you know where God does a waste of thing comes in. December 27th, I get word from his roommate, a really, really, really good friend of mine who called and said, hey, did you hear about, about David and what happened? I was like, not a, not a chance. What? And he said he got a letter from the governor saying that because of your hard work and your dedication towards education and how you spent your time helping those men around you, he served 30 years of prison. He went in at 18. He's 48 or 49 now. And he got a GD, he got an associate's bachelor's master's and became a professor. And the governor said, I honor this. I respect you for this. And because of those things, I'm going to be having you released on clemency, January 31st of 2024. <laughs> My gosh, that is so, so amazing. <laughs> to God. think about God, not wasting a moment of sitting down and starting to get a GD and an associate's degree in his situation God didn't waste that. Wow. God used that time to prepare for him the best possible outcome and to do God's will, which is to educate and serve men in prison and soon out of prison. Wow. 
Oh my gosh, that is a very unique story that I don't, I actually did not even expect to hear this when I was about to hit record and do this collaboration. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And you know what? I think that just speaks within itself. God does not waste a thing. And it definitely really ties into what I want this series to be about, which is called From Pain to Purpose. And uh, understanding a little bit of your book, uh, God Doesn't Waste a Thing, something that really stuck out to me uh, about your profile and the summary of the book within itself is how you said your story really relates to the story of Joseph uh, from the book of Genesis. And that was something I could even say I really related to. I mean, we talk about, if we really think about it, a lot of people who followed God, rather if that was even in the Old Testament or the New Testament, as much as inspiring or as much as their story was inspiring to us, their calling and how they, you know, worked with God and everything. We got to understand, like a lot of people went through a lot of stuff in the Bible. I mean, and Joseph, I think, is definitely someone we could really highlight. I mean, this is someone who was born into an ancestry that is remembered for centuries, almost for millions and millions of years. The son of Jacob. And, uh, you know, Jacob, of course, had a lot of sons. And then just one day God comes to, Jake, uh, to Joseph and says, hey, one day you're going to rule <laughs> over your brothers. <laughs> and uh, he receives God's promise through a dream. But kind of the way he like receives it is probably the typical way maybe we receive our dreams and our callings. It's like, man, once I do this, I'm going to be this way and everything. Well, that strikes up envy in his brothers. And we all know the story that his brothers sure. fought to kill him. Instead, they realize, no, that's that's not going to look good if our dad finds out. So they sell him into slavery. And just the story from there, it's just like, wow, like Joseph, of course, gets sold into slavery. But it's so interesting. So interesting how you're talking about this a former inmate of yours. He ends up realizing like he finds a purpose within that slavery and he becomes the assistant or pretty much the right hand man to Potiphar's wife. Yep. And you think, okay, he's he's on the right track. He's on the right track. And then that famous story, Potiphar's really attractive wife just kind of comes into the picture, tries to seduce him. And he realizes, man, if I do this, I am on some deep, deep stuff. Resists, leaves, but somehow Potiphar's wife has evidence. Like, well, he tried, he tried sleeping with me. And look, I even have his co- cloak. He ran off when I started screaming. <laughs> Potiphar hears about this and it's like, you know what? You're getting the dungeon. Yes, sir. And I, it's so amazing. You're talking about your inmate here, someone who was not responsible for a certain crime committed, but yet he's going to face the harsh pun- punishment. He's in yeah. the dungeon. And at this point, you got to wonder. I mean, sometimes the Bible is not too specific on what's going through Joseph's mind. But one thing that the Bible was very clear about is how he still remained faithful to God, even in the dungeon sentence. There were four, four words that were constantly said throughout the story that speaks of Joseph there in Genesis. And it was always God was with him everywhere he went. God was with him. It wasn't a ideal situation. It wasn't what you would ever pick for yourself to be like, I'm going to get chucked into this dungeon and hang out with cut bear and a bread maker. I mean, it, it isn't what you choose, but God was with him in those moments. And the, the most beautiful part of that whole thing for me was at the very, very end after Joseph's father passed away and all his brothers were like, oh, we're hit now. Like, we're <laughs> we're going to get it. He was he's just being nice to us because Pops was around. But now that he's gone, we're all going to die. 
Right. And <laughs> it's at that moment where Joseph looks at them, like with all sincerity, like, I love you guys, but you need to understand what y'all intended for evil. God used for good. And that showed up so many different places in my particular story. Had it not been for the first murder attempt on my life, I wouldn't have been moved to a certain prison hmm. that led me to the Lord, that led me to meet David, to help him get his GED, that led me to meeting my two chaplain mentors. And then three years later, because of what a, a particular act of one person who works in the administrative building at that prison what she intended for evil is what got me moved to another prison, which is the only place that had the certain kind of treatment I needed to get out of prison. But mm. in the moments I was super furious. I, I got on that bus to leave the one prison where I had chaplains and mentors and safety bawling, which is never a good look to go to another prison, being the weepy, leaky, crying inmate. You're, you're an immediate target. I might be six foot, 200 pounds, but bro, I was crying like a little baby. And had that not happened, I wouldn't have been at the facility that has treatment for me to be able to get out. And wow. it isn't until you see it all come around and you go, thank God, I don't always get what my prayers are. So if there's kind of an underlining theme there, so often we hear a no from God and we get furious. Wow. Where yeah. no's are often ideal, but they can become a maybe, which turns out to be the best yes we've ever heard. It just <laughs> comes three years, six years. In some people's cases, 30 years later, and that yes comes from a governor and now hands someone a future who, to be fair, I don't know how many ex-gang members at 18 would have ever ever guessed by the time I'm 50, I'm going to be a man with four degrees, one being a master's and be a professor of macroeconomics for a university in the state of Colorado. Wow. A lot of no's went in to him eventually getting the greatest yes of his life so far. Wow. And I think that's something we really need to identify. I think when we're going through a really tough you know, a tough process in life, or, you know, in so many words, the wilderness season. Mm -hmm. I like how you really highlight the whole entire subject of God's, you know, getting a no from God or sometimes not even getting an answer from God. And I think that's where, you know, even kind of going back further back in Genesis with, you know, Moses and the Israelites who were freed from slavery, <laughs> they were demanding an answer like, God, where are you? <laughs> You're telling us about a promised land, but where is it? And it all it really took was, you think about how they were before the, you know, during that wilderness season, even when Moses was leading them and then kind of getting into the part where, you know, Joshua takes over and you see a big difference from, from all those Israelites because it's like, you know, God, here's the thing. God really understands our emotions when we're in a tough season. God's not going to be the type or I know, I, I know my God is not the type who's going to tell you like, RJ, you need to be this certain way when you're going through a really tough time. If life's, you know, weighing you down, yeah, you need to just have a smile on your face all the time. Like God knows exactly we're going to be heartbroken. We're going to be furious. We're going to be angry. But I think what God really is looking for in our toughest seasons is how much we are truly pursuing him during that process. I could tell you, you know, in my church, I have seen, I would say, countless people 
who had a strong calling in their life. And to this day, I see them and I'm like, man, they still do have a calling. It's awesome. God still wants to use them. But something tough comes up. You know, they lose somebody or, you know, something that, like, as I mentioned before, unexpected comes and it really hits them like a train. And what happens? It's like they stop coming to church. They're not really the same anymore. And then it's just like they completely, completely backslide. And it's like, you know, whatever that, the life they had with God, it kind of just fades off. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's something to really keep in mind. I mean, that's a tough reality, but I think it's really worth mentioning. Like, you know, God understands we're going to feel pain. We're going to feel upset when we're in this tough situation. But I think what he's really asking at the end of the day is, are you still going to pursue me during this time? Even if I'm not giving you an answer or I give you an answer you don't want. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I guess like, I mean, what you mentioned earlier, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, what God in, or what you intended for evil, God turned it around for good. Mm. Even a similar guest I had probably about six months ago, I know I mentioned to him to you earlier, his dad was involved in a murder case. And what was very tough for him is he was talking about as a kid that his dad's mistake followed him throughout his whole entire life as a teenager. But he says when he went to church one day into a youth group, he says he actually felt the presence of God hit him like, man, you know, my past does not define me, even if this was not a mistake I made. He goes, I'm identified by Christ. And now he's a youth pastor. He just got married. So I guess like in so many words, like <laughs> what do you like when you say what, let's say even what the devil mean, means for evil, God turns it around for good. Like what is something you really or what? how do you really approach that message towards people when you do share the gospel? Because I know you say you evangelize a lot as well. Yeah, that's a real great question, bro. Um, mm. I think it's, I'll add on to something I said earlier. My, my good buddy Troy will often say to be faithful in the during. And that is not always easy. You mentioned it about three or four people in your church who you've just seen a mighty calling on them, then something hits them and it kind of derails them. Yeah. Derails fine. Setbacks are fine. It's what are you going to do the next day? And so for me, like I used to, when I first came to know the Lord in 2014, if something were to happen to me, I would go and put myself in like proverbial jail in myself. Like I would just go and hide out be sad, be depressed, be scared, be anxious, be a little more testy and a little more feisty and a little more on edge. Mm -hmm. And it might be for two or three weeks, some would mm -hmm. say a month. And then I'd come back out of that funk and start walking a little bit. And then maybe six months down the road, got a little bit more confidence, seen a little bit more of God showing up in difficult times. I may only go put myself in proverbial jail for mm -hmm. 10 days. And then it might get to be three days. And then you, you recognize it. You have your day where you're sulking and you're bitter and you're a little bit edgy. And I'm certainly not perfect, but for me and what I'm trying to help share with others and maybe people can listen through here is to recognize what is happening and to be able as quick as possible to, to really define if it's, if it's a feeling that's happening or if it's a truth, if it's, something that I can actually go ahead and try to do something in control or change or impact. And if not, how can I lean into truth of what God says about this situation? And so 
even if there's bullying going on or if there is a newspaper article written when that was written about me the first time (laughs) it almost got me killed i was scared i was crying i was a nervous wreck it it came to the point where my father and mother came to visit me as i was like basically being hidden from the rest of the state's prison population my dad saw me like just rubbing my face like i was unraveling Mm. in front of him i didn't know the lord at this time i was just on my own panicking. Wow. Six years later, another newspaper article is written about me. Only now the difference is I'm able to quickly recognize hey, that article isn't defined me. Mm-hmm. I am not who that article says I am. That was something I did. There's mm-hmm. a big difference between shame and feeling <laughs> and owning that I am this terrible person and this terrible thing versus, yeah, that happened. I did that 100%. I'm solely responsible for that action. Right. But it doesn't get to move and adjust and change my weather, my day, my outcome. So if you're looking for some new gear to wear while you're going to the gym, I want to recommend Hall Strength, our sponsor for today's episode. Hall Strength is an online Christian website that sells some of the nicest workout gear that you can wear when you're going to the gym. They have stringers, sleeveless tanks, Nice oversized shirts, leggings, and just about everything you could look for when it comes to rocking some really cool gear while you're working out. So take 10% off your next purchase or your first purchase here at Hall Strength. It's promo code free and redeemed. And be introduced to all the new gear that they are bringing in every single month. They have scriptures with uh, shirt, oversized shirts with scriptures on them. And just anything you are looking for when it comes to wearing workout gear at the gym. Other than that, guys, feel free to check it out on the description and back to the episode. Being able to, in the during, not comfortable when you're on the front page of a paper and it's not for something good, but be able to still go and bless those around you. To go to a dinner in the chow hall where there's 1,500 inmates and you're the guy everyone's looking at then be willing to still have a joke and laugh by your friends and pray. So that's the part of recognizing like how God is faithful in the midst of panic. And trust me, my girlfriend would share this. My family would share this. Anybody close to me, I'm not perfect at this. There'll (laughs) be small things that'll come up and it'll take me an hour, two hours a day. (laughs) You have to ask them how long, but that's the goal is to recognize where is God in this? And more importantly, what is God doing in this? And then to just try to align with that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I think, um, I think something to really mention as well is we live in a world that applies unforgiveness or applauds unforgiveness. We hear about one celebrity who makes a racial slur, who, you know, makes this comment you know, this comment that was very unnecessary and it's just like the news grabs it and then it boom, it, it, they just run with it. And then before you know it, that celebrity's career, it's just like there, it's yeah. no longer the same. And even if they try to make a comeback and try to go back into the public eye, you know, the world hangs on to that one mistake. But I think that's where people really need to understand or why most people who don't really understand Christianity, this is one thing that is guaranteed. If you give your life to Christ is, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. 
Jesus took our took a horrible punishment, a punishment that he did not deserve. And whatever sin that we have committed, you know, he has he has meant to cleanse it. He has meant to wash it away. And even if the world is saying, hey, yeah, this is who you are. This is what the person is. You know, Jesus is saying otherwise, like, nope, in my eyes, you are a new creation. And that's why, I mean, I don't know if I would ever recommend people watching this, but when I watched the show Dahmer, uh, played by Evan Peters, that last episode really got to me, um, where he asks the minister right when they're about to uh, put John Wayne Gacy on the death penalty. He says he claims that he knows God. But he goes, he murdered so many people like I did. He goes, would God really forgive him for all that? And the minister's simple response was the thief on the cross. Yeah. He goes, well, think of the thief on the cross. Jesus didn't die alone. He died with two other men right next to him. One challenged him and says, if you're the son of God, save yourself. Come down from that cross. And while you're at it, bring us <laughs> bring us down. <laughs> well, the other one says, "Are you know, don't you fear God? This, we are just... Our punishment is just, but yet this man right here has done nothing wrong and knows that he is guilty of his sin. Yep. Ask Jesus, please just remember me when you're going into your kingdom. And the heart, you know, just seeing his heart, I mean, that's just simply what God is really looking for. You know, sometimes I think when we go through tough seasons, I think it's because God's trying to reveal the things that we probably don't see when we're in our toughest season. Well, and Simon, that is such an amazing point that I'll often try to get people to see is, and you've given me some God bumps here, because in prison, there's not always the availability for certain acts to take place. Like you can't, there's one chapel. It's not like, I don't like the Protestants. So I'm not going to church. There's Protestants, Catholics, Muslims, Buddhists, Amish, pagans, uh, Asatru's, even atheists have their own service, like all in the same place. So it's wow. you know, learn how to get along with one another. I mean, they're separate times, but it's the same thing. But that thief on the cross, what you just said, he said to the other dude, like, Hey bro, don't, don't you recognize that what we did, we did. He didn't. <laughs> and I believe who you are. So please don't forget me. That's Romans 10, nine. That is the <laughs> whole gospel wrapped up perfectly, which is if you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. Amen. Yeah. And that's what was done. Hey, man, this guy's for real. I'm recognizing it and I'm speaking it and I believe it. And Jesus honors that and says, assuredly, I will see you in paradise with me. He doesn't say, well, can you come down and go get baptized? I mean, I, I'd love to take you to heaven, but you, we need to baptize <laughs> you. Or have you prayed yet today? Or did you do this certain ritual or man, I'd really love to sit down and talk to you a little bit more because I need to know just who you are. Mm -hmm. and that's a big thing for so many men in society, especially in prison where they've majority of them have all done something mighty severe to get that punishment to where they're sitting back like, yeah, man, but I don't think Jesus would want me to be in there. That's mm -hmm. all Jesus wants is for you to be in there. He does <laughs> not want you to perish none of us right. and if you need to see how it works reference what you just said simon the thief on the cross jesus isn't going to come at you and start pegging you with guilt he's going to work with you to get through shame and to take responsibility and then to die to those sins 
So mm-hmm. it's it's a pretty impactful moment in the in the gospel there that I've seen constantly help those inside of prison. Wow. Because you can't always do what people often in society, well, yeah, I go to church every Sunday and I tithe 10% and I've been baptized and I, I've, I've helped lead some people to Christ on a toilet because there's the only <laughs> place you can find quiet inside of a prison sometimes is mm. there. That I don't think that was written out in anybody's <laughs> how to lead someone to Christ manual, but God mm. honors it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that's something to really keep in mind uh, for anyone who's listening. Um, I'm not sure if people in prison are able to listen to podcasts and, you know, maybe I definitely pray that they can be (laughs) uh, because um, I think when we're in a wilderness season, sometimes we either think God abandoned us or God will never come to us. God will never hear us. But sometimes I don't think we realize that God is actually just standing right there. Mm-hmm. You know, as even in the man in the pool of Bethesda, you know, that hopelessness that, you know, no one's ever going to be there for me. No one's ever going to heal me. I'm chasing after something that I don't think that I think is going to heal me. And it's not. But Jesus is standing there saying, I see you or yeah, whatnot. That, and I like. How, yeah. <laughs> the, the pool of Bethesda, I reread it about two or three months ago. And what really finally tripped with me was when he says after he heals him and he gets up, he says, take up your mat and go. And for the longest time, I thought it was almost like, yeah, get your stuff, bro, and head on out. But when I dove deeper into it, mm-hmm. he was saying, take like, take your mat and leave because you're not going to have to come back to this again. You're not going to have to come <laughs> back to sit here for decades hoping and wishing and feeling hopeless and never having an opportunity to, to just fall into that water. That is what he's saying for all of us. Like, hey, you've we've done this. I have taken this burden off of you. I have went to the cross for you. Take up your blank and move forward. Take up your whatever you're carrying for all these years and you're just sitting in everything and take it and go because you're not coming back to that spot. And that really hit me when I reread it and reread it. It was like, that's different than how I read it the first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing to finally mention, I guess when it really comes to understanding that God does not waste a thing, we don't, I think people really don't realize how valuable their lives here on earth are on earth, regardless of what their circumstance look like. I mean, here I am, I'm a middle-class young man. You know, I pay my bills on time. I have a podcast, all that stuff. But something I think I really, truly found valuable in Christ, even though my life was hard at one point, was we get to have Jesus here on earth. That's something even I know someone even mentioned in another podcast show I heard when it, when they talked about a near-death experience. They say, we don't realize that we can call out to Jesus and boom, he is there. He hears our prayers when we are coming with a repentant heart. And you talk about how Jesus doesn't want us to perish we don't realize that, hey, we talk about people who are in prison, everything like that. But sometimes I don't think we realize eternity is a moment. If we are in a moment without Christ, that is where we no longer have his love. We no longer have his value. And I think the scariest part is that punishment. There's no hope for purpose. Joseph sat in that dungeon 
wondering if he was ever going to have that purpose God gave him, I'm sure. But while he was here on earth and his faithfulness towards God, and you said God was with him, God was with him in that dungeon. Yep. That is something to keep in mind. God is with you as long as you are here on earth. It's not too late. Yep. But when it comes to the final judgment, that is where we will experience some people, many actually will probably experience a reality where there is no, mm. there is no goodness of God. Uh, that is something I really felt in my spirit to share, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So RJ, uh, yeah. Amazing episode, brother. Uh, yeah, I guess kind of continuing in order to conclude this episode, where could our listeners find you if they're interested in purchasing your book? Yep, they can go to notmywillministries.com. It has a couple of places you can get the book from my publisher, from Amazon. Again, the book's called God Doesn't Waste a Thing by Luke Chance. But also on that website, if you're interested in having me come and speak, uh, there's a place you can book me, you can email me. There's a donate page, which right now we're trying to raise some funds and get some monies put together for not just our normal ministry uses to help people inside, stay communicated with their mother's, father's children, have some clothes and hygiene while they're in there because there's not that much available, Hmm. but also to help those who are coming out, particularly someone who's coming out after being incarcerated for 30 years, who Hmm. doesn't have a wallet or a keychain or deodorant, toothbrush, money for a bus pass, bike. Mm. It's negative seven degrees here in Denver, and he does not have a heavy coat, jeans, Mm. socks. So, yeah, I'd love for people to reach out, connect. Buying the book's great. It's an awesome way to encourage someone around you who's struggling. But step into the prison ministry, email me. I can help connect you with where there's prisons in your area or whatever it might be. Just have a conversation about where God shows up and Mm how he's waiting for them uh, to follow their calling, maybe. Amen. Yeah, no, I'll definitely be sure to add that in the description. Of course, for anyone who's interested in the story or feeling led to give to this ministry. uh, Yeah. uh, Link will be in the description. Uh, But with all that being said, RJ, would you do us the honors and pray us out for today's episode? Absolutely. My pleasure, Simon. Heavenly father, Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of, new friends for the gift of open communication. Lord, we ask that you bless and anoint this podcast, that you have it land softly on the hearts and ears and minds of all the listeners that need to hear that you are in their mess with them, that you are not leaving anyone. You are not forsaking anyone. That a no from you is not a permanent no. It is probably a yes that is setting up your greatest will in their life. Lord, I pray for a hedge of protection for every man, woman, who is locked up inside of a prison across the United States. Father, you just anoint those around them, just create community and love and most importantly, purpose and hope inside of all those cells and hearts. We ask for a blessing on Simon, on his family, on this podcast. And we just thank you for this opportunity. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, praise God, everyone. Uh, yeah, don't forget to subscribe, like this video, share it. I mean, share it to as many people as you can. We're here to get the word out. Mm, uh, with you. all that being said, uh, God bless everyone.